right, and welcome back to the Torbay Hospitality Podcast. Today we are having a property takeover and we are delighted to welcome a whole host of property developers and uh, people that run education companies and planning consultants and so on. So let's meet the team. First of all, we have Lenka, no last name required. Lenka, I think, is a force of nature on her own. She's a director at Lenks Property and Lenks Escape. So welcome, Lenka. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Oh, it's our pleasure. to be here. Thank you so much. And we've got Nick Stentiford, who's a company director and we think an aspiring entrepreneur. Not sure about that one. So he runs Signature Property Management and Easy Lettings HMO Management and also runs a development company called Smugglers Developers. Welcome, Nick. Good morning. How are you? Really good. Thanks. And Nick is joined by his business partner, director, Sarah Watkins-Schmidt, who's just coming on to mic now. So hi, Sarah. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Wonderful. And we've got Tony Horsey, who's company director at Ortis Architecture and Planning, and also Ortis Development Forum, Ortis Development Academy, and Architecture DIY. And he's also the man who brought this whole team together. Hi, Tony. Hi, uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> of course, welcome. Thank you so much. So we just have, today we're going to have a slightly different kind of format today. So we're going to go around and quickly do some shout outs. Then we're going to head over to some news that is related to property and hospitality. And then Lenka is going to take over hosting and ask some kind of depth questions for anybody who's interested in the property sector. So let's go. Right. Let's have some shout outs now. Lenka, is there anybody that you wanted to say hello to? Um, I would like to say hello to my wonderful friends and family who've been looking after me very well during my injury. <laughs> I know. Lenka broke her ankle on some seaweed. What beach were you on? Uh, Skabakan Beach. It was a very beautiful beach, at least. Yeah. So don't really have a really interesting story how I did it, because I just slipped on the beach, but at least it was a good beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. So, yeah. So broke it in two places. So the entire summer I spent uh, in the bed. But it's really nice to be out again. So thank you for having me here today. Again. Yeah, on behalf of the people who have been out in the month of July, you didn't miss anything, I trust us. <laughs> yeah, I watched it from inside, to be fair. <laughs> uh, right. And Nick and Sarah, so you guys run a company together. Do you have anybody that you'd like to give a shout out to? Well, I think um, I'd just like to say a big thank you for everyone over the last 12 months, really, because we've, mm. we've been going for 12 months now and um, everyone's been very supportive and we've got some great clients um, and yeah, quite a few in the pipeline, which is lovely. And everyone's been quite receptive to what we want to, um, what, what we're trying to achieve. So that's good. All right. Amazing. Yeah. And Tony, of course, we've got to give a shout out to Kim. Let me get Kim on the mic. Kim, say hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Kim Glovers, Tony's a sidekick and uh, yeah, partner in crime. So yeah, Tony, do you have anybody that you'd like to say hello to? Um, Kim. <laughs> no in all serious uh the last year has been really quite uh intense for us uh we we launched and have been growing the development forum which is the networking group so yeah i'd like to just say hello to everyone that's joined us there it's growing into quite a community uh which is something we're really pleased with and proud of um so yeah everyone who's contributed to the, the success and the growth we had in the last year Oh, definitely. Yeah, I can see that. You know, when I look at your LinkedIn post, the property development forum, you just seem to be everywhere. And you have like a really big crowd that turns up and it seems like everybody's like really engaged. You've got a really great audience there. And a good, like you're saying, like a community. Yeah, yeah exactly that. And it, it, it's hard work. It, you know, I, I now sort of, I have so much respect for anyone who runs any sorts of events, because it looks like you just turn up and smile and chat 
actually what goes on behind the scenes is just an enormous amount of work. Mm. So just, you know, massive thanks to everyone who supported us in that. But the people who are turning up, we're getting a, yeah, a growing number of really, really engaging people looking at different aspects of development and property. Um, yeah, really pleased with the way it's been planning, playing out. So. Oh, that's good. When is the when is the next property development forum? Do you have that in your diary yet? I have people for that sort of thing. Right, Cam, Cam. <laughs> so it's at the Botanist in Exeter on Wednesday, the thirteenth of September, from four thirty p.m. Tickets on Eventbrite. There we go. Right, the Botanist on the thirteenth of September, and check out Eventbrite for your tickets. Amazing. Thanks. So we've got a couple of news items that have come up in the past week. And so um, I guess the one thing that I would like to ask like a property developer is what you all think of the Palace Hotel and the commitment that the that the fragrance group made to, um, you know, to putting on a five star hotel and to have the properties kind of finance that development. Anybody want to take this question? (laughs) <laughs> what do you think? What's your opinion? Looking at me, um, <laughs> I, I don't want to sort of kick off and be too contentious. The fragrance group have invested many, many millions in the in the projects they're delivering in Paynton and Torquay. Um, they're a really well-established international hotel group. Um, the, the Palace Hotel was one I suspect, or I believe, they took on in good faith. But ultimately, market conditions will dictate whether Torquay is Torquay is definitely on the up. Torquay is there is definitely scope for a better quality. Whether it's ready for a five star hotel at the moment, uh, what it would suggest is that it's not. Because if if they believe they could deliver that and make it successful, they would be. Um, therefore, they bought the land. They have to do something with it. We need more housing in the bay. That's that's a simple truth. Regardless of you know, there are always going to be people upset. There are always going to be people that that want something different. The people who complain tend to be the most vocal. Mm. Um, and I think that's the outcome. But if if the fragrance group felt it was viable as sort of market conditions, you know, bear in mind they they committed and bought the site years ago. Mm. If they felt it was viable, they'd be delivering it. So it's it's market conditions that dictate. That's pretty much all. Right? Anybody else? No, I, I, I wouldn't be able to really say much because it's not really it's not really on my um, my expertise. So I think I'll just leave it to Tony. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it to Tony. No, that's good. Yeah, same to me. I think Tony answered that very, very well. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Thanks. And rather than, yeah, just sort of finishing off with that, rather than the, there's a lot of negative press around the fact they're not doing it, but actually, look, they are building a brand new hotel at the Corbin Head. Um, they've just delivered two, just opened two in Paynton, brand new hotels with you know, with a lot of beds. If you look at what's going on um, between those, the new Hilton on Torquay Harbour, there's a lot there's a lot coming through, which which bodes really well for the bay. Um, so I don't think we should get too obsessed about one that didn't happen just yet. It will happen. It will happen in time. At some point, we'll build a really nice development around the pavilion when people stop complaining about that. Mm. It got consent mm. and then didn't happen. So there's 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 opportunity. There is opportunity, I think. Yeah, it was a shame about what happens over at the pavilion, I think. I think that um, NJG would have done a great job building, you know, Harbour Hotels would have done a great job. What do you think about Living Coast and the fact that that still remains undeveloped now for another? It's right next door. So we hear all of the tourists come down and they look at the board, shut everything's boarded up and they say, honey, it's closed. And that's it. And that, you know, you can just see like everybody's so disappointment. And then, of course, the local community, of course, is disappointed as well. It affects tourists and locals. What do you think? 
It, it absolutely does. Mm. Um, and I know there's a question coming up shortly that yeah. involves publicly owned property. Um, in my experience, and I, I won't isolate Torbay Council here. I think it's common across any sort of publicly owned property. When there are difficult decisions to be made, the general outcome is decisions don't get made. So mm. it is, it's unfortunate that Living Coast has closed it. You know, it was an asset. Um, it, it provided some diversity in, in Torquay. Mm, you know, my hope is that something happens to it. My expectation is that that won't be anytime soon. Mm. Well, we're talking Sorry. about, yeah, the Wild Planet Trust has that lease, right? And just in today's uh, Herald Express, we've got now, um, I don't know what you call it, toilet blocks that are now cleared for sale on 999-year leases. And that's the same kind of lease I think that the Wild Planet Trust has. It's just kind of these forever leases. So they're saying that three... Um, kind of areas that are currently toilet blocks on that are on prime seafront sites. So this is Preston Sands, Corbin Heads, and the old toll house on Torquay Seafront are going to be offered to private developers for these kind of forever leases. Um, what do you, do you have any opinions on that? And so I, my problem is the length of the lease, but what's your, what's your uh, opinion? Okay. So my opinion, certainly for uh, Corbin Head, um, I've got a little beach up down there, had it for years, been in the family for years. And um, first and foremost, just having the toilet block shut is is a travesty, I think. Mm. Um, but I was under the impression that there was going to be, you know, a sort of restaurant up there and, and um, you know, sort of commercial um, commercial space, etc. cetera. Um, genuinely, I think that's a lovely space up there to do that with. But... Yeah, uh, my opinion on the 999-year leases, I haven't got one. Um, but if they're going to do something, they need to do something quick, and they need to have public toilets back up and running, I think. That's my opinion on that. I know, but if they're developed and they're developed into something else, but do, do, do you think that they'll always stay as, uh, you know, facilities, public facilities? Well, I think that should, that's, should absolutely be part of mm. whatever development may go up there. Some, you know, pu public toilets and... and you know, and the light should be up there, of course. Yes. But Sarah's shaking her head now. Now, what do you think, Sarah? Come on. Well, I think that it'll go to the highest bidder and they'll want to make their money back. So it goes without saying that do toilets make any money? Do they cause a problem? 30p a go, according to the people that are outside. But then, do they... <laughs> spend a penny no, them. absolutely. <laughs> do you... How do you look after them at night and who goes in them and, and all those kind of things. And if you're going to buy it and it's your your investment you're going to make return on that investment mm. so are you going to get better return on investment selling coffee selling ice cream uh, crepes you know that kind of thing any kind of food item or something where there are lots of people especially when we were talking about air show day mm. you know if you can make your money back on that then that's what they're going to be made into um, which unfortunately is not a toilet which mm. is difficult when you've got people gathering in that area and, and needing to go to the bathroom, you know? So it's a difficult one because, yes, there should be public facilities, there should be toilets, um, but if they're sold and they're not monitored by the council, mm. that anything goes, you know? 
I think I think as well is only council who would probably keep it as a toilet. So yeah, yeah. private investor would have to make the money back somehow. Yeah, but it's a worry for whoever has yeah. it, who looks after, who cleans, who monitors, what goes on, all that kind of thing with a toilet. It's it's difficult. Yeah. What do you think, Lenka? What do you think about that? Would this be something that you would invest in? Um, not necessarily uh, personally, but it's it's just based, it's not just something I'm doing at the moment. But exactly exactly just as Sarah said, um, it's it's just one of those that you don't want to take away for what actually the the, the the village or the town needs. Yes. However, if you're the one who actually invests in that, you don't want you, you probably have to turn it into something else. Yeah. It's a tricky one. And Tony, I can see your eyes gleaming. You can't <laughs> wait to get your hands on that seafront property. <laughs> I, I just it's not necessarily get my hands on it. I just have an opinion on pretty much everything, so I'm trying to shut up. <laughs> no, what do you um, mean? No, go for it. Today it's all about opinions. <laughs> you need I think you need to again, a bit like the, the the palace, you need to step back and and look bigger at what the bay needs. Tall Bay is going through a massive transition at the moment, massive renaissance potentially, if it's allowed to happen. And there needs to be a slightly more forward looking and constructive conversation about what adds value, what adds diversity, what, you know, we are a tourist economy. So what will the tourists, what will add value to them? And one of my concerns when I hear about um, public facilities like this going out for tender is what the tender criteria is, because what the council should be looking, looking at is releasing these based on a, a business viability bid. So not necessarily the highest price if they're just looking to raise some capital. Right. What's the business it. plan? Right. Yeah. Go in and show me that what you want to do there is viable. Show me you've done your work. Show mm. me. And and if they have, if there is a requirement for public amenities, you need to accept that that's going to be part of it. What does that do to your business plan? And it's taking that comprehensive view. I think where you've got locations like this that you're going to be able to release all day long, you know, the Corbin Head site. You know, it's surrounded by parkland. It's in a beautiful location. Yeah, absolutely. People are going to be chomping a bit for that. But for it to be viable... Oops, sorry. Yeah. Call, incoming call for Tony. Yeah. Someone <laughs> talking to me. For it to be viable... They've got your number. Yeah, you've got to be able, you've got to... Be able to I, I, I hope that the council are going to be releasing these on the basis of some sort of business viability assessment that can identify a sort of a forward-looking need and shows how they're going to address it. Mm. On that basis, yes, it can be released commercially, but it may have very, very little values. The cap- the council will get, you know, limited income from it, which will probably in turn create objectors saying the council's being ripped off or they're not managing our money well. Mm. It is, there's always a line to walk. There's a balance to tread. But looking at the future of the bay, yeah, what what will add value? to the people that bring the, you know, they're spending money in. That's what they should be looking at. Got another news item that came through, and it was about that landlords and um, property developers should be involved in fighting this kind of war on drugs, if you will, or this uh, battle against uh, drugs and antisocial behavior. And because Nick is, he runs um, an HMO company, he might have a, a houses and, for houses and multiple op- occupation. If maybe he has an opinion on that, what do you think, Nick? Okay, so um, this is something that's that's very new to me at this point in time but i think um quite frankly if you're running a good uh letting operation whether it be hmos whether it be single lets um whatever it may be um regular inspections should be carried out 
Um, you should always be in contact with the tenants. If there's issues with the tenants, they should be talking to you. So the, the communication should always be there. Um, so, you know, if, if you are on the ball as an agent, you should be picking up on, on certain things before they become an issue. So I think that's right, quite mm. frankly, because, yeah. you know, the police force is stretched enough as it is. Indeed. Um, and we should be, you know, helping that in, in, in that respect. And as I said, if, if, if you're a good agent, you're always inspecting, certainly every three months. Um, I was only saying to someone yesterday, I'm at my properties quite a lot and I'll quite, you know, go in for a cup of tea and have a chat yeah. with the tenants and whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. I think it's, it's really good. Nice. And then there was like a final little news item here that there has been um, 60, an announcement that 60 homes are going to be built um, on land in Painton. So this is the area that's over near the Epic Center. Um, there's an undeveloped grass plot that's over by kind of Little and the Epic Center and the Premier Inn over in Painton. The developer is Abacus Dealey Freed. And so, yeah, they're building 60 homes, 79 car parking spaces, and it's for three-bedroomed houses, flats, and maisonettes. Anybody have any opinion on that? 60 new properties going in. That's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> great news. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great news. At the, at the end is... of the day, we, we, we keep getting told, at, at, you know, the housing issues that we're having and, and whatever, and, and, you know, if you can get a development like that, 60, you know, 60 houses coming up, what, why not? You mm. know, it's, it's, it is what it is. This is what we've got to do. You know. Right, exactly. If right. it is already built in the area where there's a little, so there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's other things, in, like there's, other, there's other shops as well, little Sainsbury's is nearby as well. With, with the, such a big development like 60 houses, do they need to add another things like shops and, and no? Um, it, it depends on what's there. So 60 housing in sort of housing, 60 new homes in housing terms isn't a big development. There's right. a lot of the sort of. The, the sort of mid-sized housing developers, it's not, it's too small for them. Um, so it's a certain range. We've got, you've got the White Rock development has been completed up there. They're, they're building further down the road towards Brixham. There's a lot of houses going up there. So those additional mm-hmm. 60, it's, you know, it's necessary. The new homes are necessary. We've got a real shortfall. Um, but the infrastructure planning, so when the local authority, when the planning uh, department produces its local plan, they have strategies for, you know, at what point do we need new infrastructure, new schools, new mm-hmm. new shops. You know, it, that That's a sort of more of a strategic view. So those 60 won't make a significant difference because they'll be looking at that plan in a much bigger context. Yeah. Whether, I mean, the land that you're talking about, I think originally was allocated for commercial development, um, which wasn't, it hasn't come forward because mm-hmm. there's, you know, obviously there's viability issues. So then there's a question of, as a, as a community, as a as a sort of local authority, do we hold out and promote that commercial development because we need you know we need new housing in the bay, but we need jobs, we need that wider infrastructure. Do you hold out for that, or if it isn't commercially viable, do you accept that's not the case right now and provide the housing we need? It's it's mm-hmm. a balance and it's quite a complex question. Yeah, it seems like because it's because um, you because I would think that if you're building sixty houses, you probably need more. Um, like you said, schools or shops to bring employment as well. So it's it's not just for the co- for the community, but for the employment as well. I mean, not for the comfort. But, um, so yeah, it's interesting that sixty actually is not as big as you said, but it does have few 
shops nearby yeah. anyway. And the the employment thing's important because what you'll end up with if you don't if you don't get that balance right, you end up with sort of dormitory towns where whole communities where people just live there. There is you know, and then they drive to other places yeah. for leisure for work, um, and, and they create their own problems. You know, if you're a teenager growing up in an area where there's nothing to do, you know, it's not rocket science to identify that will start creating social issues because they get bored. Mm. Um, so it, it, you know, that's what the, the the planning authority aren't just about agreeing to your house extension or not. Um, they they have uh, an entire department that looks at that whole strategic development, looking at the bay as a whole, what's necessary, and they have different targets to make sure that the economic viability is is progressing at the same rate. What's the with the infrastructure? <clears throat> um, is there sort of like a number of, of properties that are being built in a certain area? that needs then another school or another doctor's surgery or whatever because or, or, or widening of roads or whatever it may be to, to allow that development to be viable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, so every every five years, the local authority, there's a the sort of governing document, the governing local document in this is called the local plan, the Torbay local plan, and it's reviewed every five years. And that looks at not just new buildings, but it looks at, at social development. It looks at economic development. It looks at everything. Um, and so, you know, they'll set out a five-year plan and they'll think, right, this is how it's going to go for the next five years. Then they measure it and, well, we're not quite getting there or we're not doing this, so we have to focus more on those. And in that local plan, um, they are looking at, well, if we do develop this many houses, um, or, you know, there's a requirement to develop this many houses, which will mean this is the area it's going to have to go in because Torbay is really restricted because, um, you know, one big part of our boundary is quite wet, so we can't cross it. And then we've got more and quite difficult terrain to build on. So we're quite enclosed here. And so if we're delivering that many houses, how many schools are we going to need? Where will these people work? Where will the, you know, where will the shops and the infrastructure be? You know, there's a lot in the news at the moment about walking, um, 10 minute cities, I think they're called, where all the amenities you need are within 10 minutes of your home, which is, you know, the idea being that you can go back to living locally. Um, and there are challenges around that, but it is is looking at that whole strategic view, which the council does, and deciding yes, if we deliver three hundred new homes in the next two years in this area, that's the schools that exist won't cope with the additional mm-hmm. children, and mm, you know, and those people need to be employed. So that's all part of the local plan. Mm. Yeah, and it is like doctor surgeries, and you know, there's so, a lot to it. But isn't there a requirement to have affordable housing as part of any development? Well, I don't know whether it's any development or whether there's a certain like a upward or lower limit on that. And and how would they get affordable housing in a place like like the Palace Hotel site? Or you know, it's like they didn't mention affordable housing in this particular news article. What is the What's the limit on that? Like, what at what numbers are you start talking about affordable housing? So, or like mixed use social. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so there's a specific threshold. So there's what's called major and minor planning applications. A minor planning application for anything below nine dwellings. So if it's nine new residences, it's a minor application, and mm. there's no requirement to include affordable housing in that. If you exceed nine, if it's ten or more, then depending on the area you're in, whether it's Torbay or certain areas in Torbay, then there will be a percentage requirement. So if you're building 15 houses, it may be that 20% of those need to be affordable. Mm. So then that's three, three of those 15 would need to be affordable. Right. Now, obviously, on small schemes like that, it's kind of neither here nor there. You're not really getting into those numbers. But the big housing developers, if they're building 60 homes, you're probably looking at you know, 
12 to 15 affordable houses in that, which adds some value. If you're looking at 300, again, you're looking at mm. 60, yeah. 60 affordable homes. But, but there are, there are ways that if you can demonstrate in low value areas, you know, everyone talks about cost of everything going up. Build costs have gone up massively in the last couple of years. Mm. If, if you can demonstrate that the development isn't viable to provide because affordable housing means there's no profit, you basically build it yes. at cost. Mm-hmm. Um, if the development isn't viable, then you can go through a process and not build them. Oh, okay. Um, and in 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 low value areas, um, which you know certainly parts of the bay are, um, if you if you can say, well, here's our viability assessment, we're allowed to make a certain amount of profit. These are the costs. If we have to give this lot away for free. We don't make any money, therefore we won't build any. So again, everything is a balance. It's a balance between we need housing regardless, we need affordable housing. Where does that sit? Mm. So it is. It's, it is complex. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah all the trade offs that you have. Yeah. yeah. So that's super. Yeah, just ask a question. Actually, when you were talking about the um, like the affordable housing, because some people who's going to be listening, they they might not actually fully understand as well what the because the way how you explain it is that the the affordable housing means that it's built at the cost. But what does it actually mean? Like when it comes to affordable house, housing, is it a um, something for certain, like for certain type of people with certain incomes, or what does it actually mean? So there's a there's a definition um, which, in loose terms, if you're going to buy a house for, if a house if the market value is two hundred thousand um, pounds, then you it has to be for it to be affordable, you have to release at twenty percent below market value, right. and, and there would be a covenant tied to it that it's always sold twenty percent below market value. That's designed as that's defined as affordable, and then the same on rent. So there is a market rent. Affordable would be released at twenty percent below market rent. That makes it more affordable, and they have to be delivered uh, through registered providers. So you can't, you know, there are there are ways, there are different solutions, but the most commonly used solution is that you you do a deal with a housing association or a local authority who's a registered provider, and then they they either own and manage or they manage, but they then manage that process. And do you actually do you need to pass certain, uh, fit certain criteria in order to be able to apply for affordable house? Yeah, it's done through you know it's done through the local authority and through housing associations. I think um, the waiting list in Exeter at the moment, I think it's something like six thousand people are waiting for affordable homes wow. in Exeter. I'm not wow. sure what the numbers are there. It's a it's a big oh. list. You know, if you want to apply now, you know, depending on you know there are, again different affordability criteria. If you're a, a single parent with three small children, you're going to be quite high up that list. If you're a, you know, a single mm, young male or probably indiscriminate now on whether on gender, but yeah, it, it, you'd be way down the list. So you'd be waiting years and years to get into anything like that. Wow. It just shows scary numbers. Yeah. Right. Thanks you guys for contributing to the news. Should we get to do a round of applause? Nick, you want to hit the A button? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So I'm going to hand over to Lenka, who's going to ask some more in-depth questions about property. So over to you, Lenka. Property or holiday, let's. I know, right? In general. Well, um, I think part of it is, you know, like that we have, we have so many, when you look out this window, you just see all of the buildings and all of it, and they're, they're used for all different types of things. So I'm just going to scoot out of here and let Sarah take a seat. So, right. We'll be right back. (laughs) So yeah, thank you very much. So I'm going to take over and I'm going to ask a few, uh, 
from me, mainly, mainly hospitality question, but we'll see. Um, right, guys, so um, just to brainstorm a little bit what's going on in the hospitality industry as well. So what do you think, guys? Like, how can hospitality owners, how hospitality business owners prepare for the growing trend of a value-driven travel in 2023? I think... I think over the, just in general in hospitality, the last five years have been massively challenging. So that's not just in the holiday let market. Um, restaurants, um, pubs, uh, clubs, blah, blah, blah. Um, the last five years have been, uh, have been horrendous. So, you know, where, where we're at right now in the economy is, is that the prices have been driven right up for everybody. So whether you're, just staying at home, doing nothing, or you want to go out and have a meal or whatever else, you're looking at a 30, 40% rise in, in, in costs. Um, with regards to, uh, you know, try, trying to drive sales and trying to drive, um, you know, more lets in, in, in your holiday lets, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we've, we've sort of come up with a plan this year that, that we've sort of, September would normally be our high season um, sort of rate plan. We've, we changed that to a not quite low season, but sort of a mid-range season um, in in the price range, and we've driven sales pretty much through the roof. So I think that um, people are very, very price conscious, and you know, once they arrive at a destination, they're looking for value. Mm. You know, they're looking to make sure that 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 hundred pounds that they've got for their family for that one day is being spent in a very wise sort of, yeah, frugal. In a, in a, in, yeah in a frugal way but to, to get the most value out of that hundred pounds and and you know quite frankly i i, I get it mm. and um but yeah so so for us for, for myself and sarah we we've literally changed tactics a little bit and it's it's made our sales for our holiday let's go through the roof and we're very proud of that can Amazing. i well done can i just a question on that are you suggesting so obviously traditionally the summer holiday period was peak season and that's where you make your money are you it sounds like you're you're focusing on on periods outside of that are people's traveling habits changing because things are less expensive i think there's you, you sort of there's different target markets that you're supposed you're aiming for but i think people's expectations are changing um, I think the weather in this country is changing. Um, and nice shorts, by the way. Do you like them? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, but, I mean, August, historically, you would literally try and make your money from April to October. But that is just shortening and shortening and shortening because people haven't, just haven't got the money. So they're coming away for a week instead of two, or they're only coming down once a year instead of twice, or whatever it may be. So you you're trying, you know, as business owners, you're trying to obviously capitalize and get as much as you can, but also show that you can provide value. So the person that's actually going to be here feels that they're getting, you know, good money, sorry, good value for the money that they've spent. But also just to add to that, most lots of our properties 
aren't um, targeted at people that are staying here in the summer holidays and the school holidays. So they're empty nesters or they've got young children and they don't go to school and and, and they're just targeted slightly differently. And we don't have on-site entertainment at any of them or swimming pools or anything like that. So they are kind of bolt holes for people to go on holiday in and have their own holiday space. It, you know, we don't work with camps and, and, and large organisations like that. So our demographic is different which is why the September market is is good for us because people go, right, kids are back to school. We don't have to look after the grandkids. We don't have to do this. The traffic won't be a nightmare. We'll go to Devon in September because if you have an Indian summer, like we often do, it can be very, very beautiful and and a really great time. So that's why September is so good for us. And um, Easter was great as well. So it's price price sensitive but also the market that we're dealing with have been affected yeah they've been affected with their finances and their savings and and everything else but less so but they do want value for money because everyone wants value for money and they always have done can i obviously tourism and hospitality isn't really my world as as a developer if i were approached by a client saying i want to i want to build something that i can use as holiday lets uh, do you think there's any you know any change in in the nature of accommodation being provided? Would you prefer to take on uh, a place with five small bedrooms um, to get numbers in? You know, it's bums on seats, love. Or do you think actually offering that more luxurious, more spacious, more open? Where or does it does it vary across the market? Well, the the thing about Torbay and that's wonderful about Torbay is that it's been offering varied accommodation for everyone for over a hundred years, and people have been coming here and having a great time and making them holiday memories. Whether it's in, you know, whether it's in a caravan or whether it's in a tent or whether it's in a B and B or a hotel or an apartment and and whatever, there's something here for everyone. Which is what we were saying about the fragrance group and we're saying about housing and we're talking about affordable housing there's a huge cross-section of society that enjoys Torbay and visits here and that's why they they do it and that's and that's why we live here because we like it you know and we're very fortunate to do that so these you know I always feel very privileged that people um of no no matter what price point they are spending their money to come and visit our area to stay in any of the accommodation and then they'll eat in the restaurants and they'll buy the ice creams and they'll have a nice time and they'll make their memories and they'll do what they can do and always you know we're all family people we always do above what we actually thought we were going to do we always come away from holidays spending more than we thought we would and if we can make people happy and enjoy themselves then and that's why they come. And in that in that diversity of accommodation, because you know, I, I, I know I'm aware of you know, different property owners, hoteliers, and I recognise there is a broad diversity. Do you think there are any particular sectors, any particular markets that thus are maybe flooded? So maybe there are too many grand lodges, mm-hmm. therefore they're having to bring the cost down to mm-hmm. release them, or there are too many you know, really, really low rent. In terms of the spread across the market at the moment in the Bay, do you have any, any of you guys, do you have any experience or views on that? Um, I found, so basically, well, it's actually linking to your previous question as well about uh, what properties could do better, bigger or smaller. So, Sarah, you're completely right there. Like, there's everything, there's something for everybody mm-hmm. here, totally. But what I found personally is the is the winter is the more challenging one. We could come, we have uh, huge competitions in the area as well, uh, which is, that's just 
nature of the business. Um, so I found a bigger property is a bit more challenging to fill in the winter, which it might be more beneficial to keep them on the market as a winter, let's perhaps instead. Um, but that's just, but, but genuinely speaking, it is correct. Like there is something for everybody, mm-hmm. but it is bit slightly more challenging with a big properties in the winter, uh, just to keep, keep them filled all the time to actually make good profits. That's what I would say. But with the big properties, I find that the multi-generational holiday market is huge. Mm. And if you've got a bedroom on the ground floor as well, so grandparents and, and limited mobility can, can stay there, then that's a, that's an added bonus. And they can get filled quite easily because they're, they're, they're higher value as well. Yeah. And they're, clearly they're all going to be beautiful because we look after them. So that's <laughs> of great. Course. And, um, of course. You know, but also it's just kind of... Um, you bring in it's, some- it, it, but the thing is with Torbay is it's alive all year round. You know, there's such a, a, mm. a, a calendar of events, whether it's a walking a, a festival or um, and the, the theatre's got loads of wonderful things going on. And there's always something happening. And the restaurants don't shut. You know, mm. if you go to some seaside locations in the winter, they are shut. And the, the community here, whether it's people that live here again or whether it's people that are visiting, there is always something going on, and that's fantastic. Mm. I think my general concern this year, more so than any other year, is that I've seen the volume of people in, not just Torbay, but um, I, I mean, I, I live in Tynmouth, and Tynmouth is quiet in comparison to what it normally is. Torbay seems to be quieter than what it normally is. Um, you know, why is that? My personal view is is that since COVID is sort of like effectively now a forgotten thing, um, the packages that you can get to go to Spain, Portugal, whatever, that's Cheaper open right up. Yeah. Open right up, absolutely. So, you know, you, you can go away for, you know, take your, take your family for £2,000, all inclusive for 10 days. You come down here, £2,000, that's going to last you two days. You know what I mean? That's pretty much what it is. And, and it's really worrying for me... Um, in in the taxation, um, I don't know. It's 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 very worrying in this country that we are so expensive, just in general, and it's worrying for areas like this, not just this year but going forward. Mm. That was, I mean, arguably that was the what was behind sort. Of Torquay had its heyday, and it was sort of the end of the seventies, early eighties when the package holidays kicked in that. The, the market here really slumped, really collapsed. Mm. And you're suggesting that you're concerned that's sort of happening again because of the, just the cost. Well, I, th- I, you know, I think so, yeah. I mean, I mean, generally, I remember being here as a child and Tor Abbey would be absolutely packed and you couldn't yeah. see a, an inch of beach. But now, well, I'm looking out of the window today in Corbin Head, there's, well, I know there's three people on there because my wife and my two grandchildren. Um, but is there anyone else? I can't see anyone else. There's a few people walking around, mm. milling around here. Um, and it's August it's, in it's English August. Riviera. Yeah, totally. It's August. Mm-hmm. To me, that's scary. I found as well that you have, um, this year, it's, uh, because as you said, everything is changing in the hospitality industry lately, um, in the last few years. But what I found as well this year is, um, because of the raising costs, um, the, the living costs are obviously raising, and um, people are not sure what's going on in the world when it comes to recessions, etc. I found that we have a lot of last minute bookings as mm. well compared yeah, to like yeah, last definitely. year and the shorter bookings as well. Mm. Yeah. So I do have, I'm sure you guys as well, you have that odd one when you have a proper big booking and you're like, that's a nice and juicy one. Mm. But genuinely speaking, are quite shorter compared to last year. I think habits are changing with that. So it's no longer Monday to Friday 
is change over day you know we yeah. get three nights we get four Completely. nights we get we get the occasional two nights you know which is uh, is is fun when you've got cleaners and linen and all that kind of stuff <laughs> to deal with but you know it's not the usual to get uh, seven days we don't expect it 10 days no two weeks no way you know you're more likely to get a three-month booking mm. than you are to get a two-week booking you yeah. know that type of thing going on so People are changing their ways of doing things, but ultimately, if they can go on holiday, they will. Sure. And I, I, you know, we all monitor all the Facebook groups and, and people looking for, I'm looking for last minute, I've been let down, I want this, I want these nights. And, you know, and you can fill, you can fill your diary and Absolutely. you can fill it on, you know, so it's, but I think on the whole, it's not a Torbay problem. It's a national problem. It's, it's, a, it's a huge problem all around. I went to Thorpe Park on Friday, which is obviously one of the biggest theme parks in the country. And it was only 50% tickets sold for that, that day in prepay. It's really sad. Which is really yeah. sad. Well, it was great for us because we yeah, queue for anything. But, but this is one of the biggest theme parks in the country. And in August, in August, on a Friday, for a family of four. And we were, you know, basically, <laughs> it was great. Mm. But it's not great for the people that need to make money and pay the wages and everything else. So that's that's hard work, you know. Of course. That's what I've noticed is the um, talking to other hospitality owners. Um, genuinely speaking, in the summer, everybody's got the rule that you can you have to book minimum five days, for example. Mm. This year, personally, I've changed my strategy completely. I'm sure you guys did as well. Mm. As you said, that you have shorter bookings. So the way to fill the calendars this year is to really open up the calendar to those who can't afford longer holidays but still want to go on holiday. Mm. So, yeah, that was game changer just to kind of open up the market differently than normally. I'm not sure if it's based on affordability either. I think it's to do with habits and how people want to run their lives. They mm. don't want to go to the same place for five nights and commit to five nights. If they've got seven days off and they want to knit to Devon yeah. for four days then that's lovely. And if it's going to rain that whole time, then they can they can put up with that. But if it's sunny, then they get four days of glorious sun and that's wonderful, you know. Mm. But I don't think people want to put all their eggs in one basket because personal time is also a premium. You know, it's expensive to us all because we work so hard yeah. to have our holiday time, you know. To be fair, actually, you're right because there was a guest another day that, uh, you know, when I sent a message to leave a review, things like that, they replied back, yes, the review's been left. It was, we had a fantastic time. We'll do it before we start our next holiday in Cornwall. Mm. So exactly that's mm. what they did they finished one holiday and went somewhere else mm. so yeah it's lovely That's, at least we can see people do still travel <laughs> oh, absolutely they definitely do they, and they always will I think they always will right guys so can I just ask like what what role does the property management plays um, play for hospitality business owners seeking to adopt to the rising expectations of guests in terms of rate and deliver an exceptional value driven travel experience in 2023 That's a bit of a mouthful, it's a it? really it was really shall I start again <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it. <laughs> right. So what role does the property management play for hospitality business owners seeking to adopt to the raising expectations of guests in terms of rates and deliver an expectations value driven travel experience in 2023? I think we kind of answered that one anyway. Yeah, I think we've pretty much done that. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think that, um, you know, as, you know, the three of us are sat here, you know, man- managing, well, yeah, but Tony, but Tony doesn't manage holiday letters. Three of us sat here. Um, poor Tony. That's all right, I'll get Oh, no, that's not right. Um, you know, we, we, we manage what we believe to be, you know, high class holiday lets, and we keep it, you know, we keep them uh, clean, tidy, you know, whatever. And, and all of our clients are very, very happy with, with, with the service that we offer. So, you know, we, we have to educate the business owner as well on the rate plans, on, 
um, you know, cutting down from, oh, I only want seven day minimum in August. Well, okay, well, you're not going to get those. So, you know, we're going to reduce it to three nights and we're going to see if we can get more bookings. Bang, you change that. Mm. Three bookings come in, literally, boom. boom exactly. Boom. Mm. Um, Adopting. And, and, and then it's us to educating the actual owners of the property to understand that that's what we have to do to get the more bookings in. So that's probably my sort of thoughts on that on that question, really, Sarah. Yeah. Anything so my, that? my thought is more guest orientated. I've got a kind of customer service background, and and you know you've got to look after the guests because. You know, you look after them, they return, they refer you, everything else. So if you look after them, then it goes on from there. So I think in the current climate, people expect more from you. And because lines of communication are so easy, you know, you can message through Airbnb, you can send a text message, you can send an email, you can phone them at four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, you can do whatever. So so the lines of communication are, are um, many mm. and they expect a reply <laughs> immediately yeah do you know what I mean so um and that is part a key part of property management is making sure your guests are happy and that you respond as quickly as, as they need you to and and then you're representing your owners correctly mm. and you're looking after your guests and everything else so it's it's spinning all the plates to make sure that people have a wonderful time and, yeah. and then they come back and they book direct you know we know we'll know about OTAs and their fees and everything else we want direct bookings and um and we're converting guests who have found us on Airbnb or Booking.com or, or whatever. And then we're looking after them and we say, oh, you know, well, next time, give me a shout when you want to come and we'll, we'll sort it out. And they go, oh, I know Sarah. She's down in Cornwall, you know, she's down in Devon. She's got this lovely property here and there. And she mentioned about a vineyard and all that stuff. Well, great. So then you've got a relationship and then you can, you know, perhaps I'll stay a bit longer or whatever. You know? So I think key in this time is looking after people and giving them a good experience with their money because also we're grateful that they're spending their money with us as well. The thing yeah. is that it's um, it's kind of like uh, with this business, you have to love pleasing people because you, you are hospi- if you're doing hospitality, you must love it. You can't just be like, I got this property, I'll put some furniture in it and I'll put it on Airbnb, boom, let's make money. No, no. no. it's much deeper to that and you have to love pleasing people because yeah, that's what got, it is about. You've got to be pleasing people people and that's Absolutely. actually in both aspects to the business owner or the property owner mm. if you're managing a property for someone and also for the guest relations mm. if you're not a people person if you're just literally trying to make money that's not a good mindset for hospitality it just won't happen yeah Absolutely. but it has to be all of it it has of to course, be clean it has to be beautiful it has to be in a wonderful location it has to be easy for them and you have to be nice to everybody because that is absolutely is the solution and you also said before about how people like um the response from the management mm. as soon as possible mm. well that's pre- that's because we are um, replacing or whatever we call it, the front desk, which mm. the front desk used to be press the button, boom, you mm. get an answer, mm. or you call twice max. Mm. So yeah, for us it's that, and especially with this, um, like for example, Airbnb is even t- uh, timing you. It's like if you, yeah, you get a score, no, for, yeah, 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 yeah like well. for your for your speed for yeah. the for the for, for the, the, the reply to absolutely. Messages. But that's yeah, that's good because that's as you said, it's all about the guest experience, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Right, guys, I have a very interesting question. I I'm very passionate about this one. So. What uh, what are some effective strategies for in, incorporate, in, <clears throat> incorporating sustainability practices into property management for short-term rentals, considering an increasing demand for eco-friendly options in hospitality industry? I love this one, but does anybody else want to start? 
<laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, it's something that we're passionate about as well because we love where we live and, and we want to look after our planet and our location and Devon and our properties because we want it and need it all to last a lifetime mm-hmm. uh, and many lifetimes. Um, so we, I mean, we employ local people. We limit our travel. We keep, the laundry doesn't go too far afield. Um, we use local suppliers for for any providers that we you know we, we need to. Are you still so, washing those bed sheets in the streams? No, no. <laughs> no I do it in the sea. Right, so, yeah, nice. no, no, no. No, we, she, we do everything she's out possible. That washboard. <laughs> Eco-warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Notice he didn't ask Nick that question. <laughs> Busted. Listen, I can't even make a bed joke. So it's it's a passion of ours. It's close to our heart. We have to look after where we live because we live here. You know, whether it's Torbay, Devon, UK, mm-hmm. the planet, we've got to look after it. So it's, it. yeah, it's got to be done. I love it. Um, well, I, I also, um, what I'm trying to do, because I love exactly what you said, you know, trying to lo- use local businesses and trying to, you know, uh, helping locals as much as possible. What I also tend to do with my properties is I don't provide, um, I don't offer plastic little, uh, you know, the shampoos, conditions and all yeah. that. What I do is that I have these refillables. Yes, uh, but, but Same. So that's brilliant. But they look nice and elegant. Some people get scared. They think of, you know, the refillable, squishy things you put on the wall. They think of the plastic, ugly we used to be in the past. These days you can get them really pretty and elegant. For Everything's your... come such a long way. Absolutely. And I think people's thought process behind it comes a long way. And, and I think people are very aware of their skincare and their requirements Absolutely. and everything else. And so if you're... If you've got an issue with your skincare and your requirements, then you bring your own and, and then you use your own, you know, but it's certainly, I don't think people expect it in, in locations, but you know, we, we provide soap and, and, um, washing up liquid and, and dishwasher tablets and all that type of stuff. Um, well, we, we do exactly the same that we, we, we top up. But we do we use to, the refillables, but you don't have to, people don't have to use them, but they're there as a convenience mm-hmm. you know? but it's, it's it's good for the planet which we absolutely want to do but it's also commercially it's cheaper yes. mm-hmm. and it, less it, waste it, yeah and, and, and less waste it, it doesn't it doesn't work out cheaper to buy these little soaps and shampoos mm. and whatever it just doesn't do it so on a commercial basis it's brilliant but obviously looking after the planet it needs to be done yeah we, we do need to do our bits do we mm. especially with hospitality it's like Let's say uh, every every house you've got or every property, um, it's even hard to keep uh, like recycling. You can't really control the recycling mm. when it comes to guests. So if there's any other things we can do in order to help, mm. yeah, we have to try because really? certain things we can't affect at all, no matter what. We can mm. give them a million different bins to recycle. Not all of them are going to do that. So yeah, it's good. We did have some of the little little bottles when we first started up, but people weren't using them, or they just used a little bit, or they. It's such a waste. Well, yeah, so I gathered them all up and took them down the food bank. <laughs> and I said, I'm not sure if this is really something that you want. I said, but it's a faff to us. And if it can be helpful for other people in the local area and we can give them to them, then we can do that. And then we just started buying in bulk and using pouches and all that kind of stuff and refilling up all the bottles. So that's the, that's the way now. So that's great. That is amazing. Mm. Anything else you guys want to add to sustainability? I think think, uh, it's not really sustainability, but it's kind of local based. Because we live here, and because, you know, when I'm talking to people on the phone and where I live, and I say, oh, I'm I'm in Devon and I can see the river and I can, and I'm chatting to them. But, you know, all the money that comes into Signature 
goes into the local economy and it goes into our cleaners that live locally, which spend their money on their rent or on their ha- on their food and on their entertainment. Everything with signature is local to Fantastic. the area. So it's not like they're calling a call centre that's miles away or something else. Even just everything is done in this 20 mile radius yeah and that's brilliant you know? well done same same it's as you said we just have to try and help uh, try and try and do our bids when it comes to eco but also helping the locals mm. and on on the su- sustainability sort of kick it's the property in itself um it's a big part of what we do certainly in new build development now is making sure that properties are energy efficient um if it's an existing property it's not necessarily that easy but you can you can have efficient systems you can have um you can provide people with apps that manage the heating so that it's just it's making sure there isn't waste it's making sure that the water usage water is done in a way that you know that is managed and they're all there are there are technological solutions digital app solutions Mm. that can make those things much easier for your residents if the result is that they use you know they reduce the energy consumption of a property by Mm. 10% you put that 10% across all the properties in the bay and suddenly that's a huge energy saving. Absolutely. Absolutely. Massive. That's a good one, yeah. Well done. (laughs) Thanks very much. Fantastic. Guys, I have another question which we already kind of, we already touched um, on it, but still like with the vanishing front desk becoming a prominent trend, how can property owners adapt their operations to provide seamless service and enhance the guest experience? We already touched that about already, but um, yeah, but I think we, can add to we, it. We, we touched on that. So, so um, with our properties at, at Sea Breeze, for instance, you know them, Lenker, obviously. Um, you know, people can get themselves in there, and we, we the communication with the guest to start off with is is very very clear and concise. Um, but when they arrive in our apartment, they've got this lovely welcome pack. Um, and all the information that, that you know we've put in there, restaurants in the area, um, you know, guides for this, walks on Dartmoor, blah blah blah. So, you know, the, the necessity for a reception, the necessity for a concierge, the necessity for those sorts of people, I, I think, are fading as long as you provide as much information as possible, and that's pretty much what we do. And it, works, yeah. it works a treat, doesn't it? We get a lot of compliments mm-hmm. about that. Um, so yeah. to be helpful to the guests because if the guests if you travel to Spain for example or even if it's just here but you, you go somewhere you don't know where you go you go to reception in a hotel and you ask could you recommend to so as a, so that's what we have to exactly we need to replace and just be helpful and be the local expert be the one that the guest going to go back to and sure. be like Oh, you helped us last time with finding a vegan restaurant. Yeah. Now we're looking for something to do mm. for my elderly mm. parents. But we, we make uh, a point. We make a point of doing that all the time. So our communication to the guests are, mm. you know, sort of a week beforehand, or even when they first book. You know, is there anything specific that you want us to provide for you? Um, bespoke, bespoke yeah, help. Absolutely bespoke help. That's well what done. That's, that's what we're about, and and you know, that is what is driving our our repeat trade. Mm. But also the guest experience is heightened because you're 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 providing that service, and mm. that's what it's about. Mm. Absolutely. Probably expecting in the, the way the world has evolved, everything is instant. You know, we've got an app for that. Mm. I want this now. Yeah. Um, and so, if you're in an environment, uh, you know, a, a holding environment where there is no front desk or there is no concierge, if you can provide that in a really accessible way, mm. and you mentioned about the. Um, the, the number of times a phone rings being measured. Actually, if, if I'm, you know, I don't run properties like this, but I use them when I go on holiday. And actually, if someone just comes in and and 
if I can just ask a question, you know, where is such and such? And I get an answer within a couple of minutes. Happy. Mm. I am happy. Amazing. You will get a good review. And it is, yeah, it's, it's recognizing it comes back to what you were saying earlier about if you want to do it just to make money, you're, you're in the wrong game. Absolutely. It's about Absolutely. understanding you're now a service provider, not a property owner, mm. um, and making sure that. And I'm just wondering whether there's a, whether there's scope. You said you have a house pack, whether that's something that could be provided through a website or a link specific, you know, when, when, you know, Mr. and Mrs. whomever, um, book to stay at a certain property, they get a code for an access. Mm. It's all just digital online. Yeah, Again, using less resources, much more live. Everything, as you know, can be digitized so yeah. we haven't looked down that route yet but, but right, right, right back down Sarah no <laughs> but also going back to our demographic and who who comes along they are quite tangible people you know yeah. so it's nice for them to see they're, 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 often we find leaflets and they've been to tourist information or the, the theater or whatever and picked up leaflets and and bits and pieces so they are tangible people it's not purely all yeah. or web-based or anything like that so we don't invite them to scan a qr code on arrival and, and flick through it they'll have a nice quality booklet mm. that they'll look through that has been made specifically for that apartment to, to recommend restaurants along around the front here and places that we've actually eaten, you know? And so that's, that's really cool. So, um, yeah. And we'd like to be as bespoke as possible. We had a, a lady that booked with us with her daughter a few weeks ago and, um, she was, quite particular about something that couldn't be there because of her daughter's requirements and and she she's experienced negative experiences with with this previously i was like yeah that's fine no problem we can sort that and that won't happen that won't be in this apartment when you arrive and then just to turn it on its head it's like well what would make your daughter really happy what would make her really smile when she came on holiday and she saw it and she said oh Oh, okay. Well, she really likes cherry coke. That's right. So when she arrived, there was a six pack cherry coke sat in the fridge waiting for her. They were so happy. The little things. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, there's a bottle of wine there anyway, but you know, a bottle of wine and some chocolates there. And then this cherry coke was sat there nice and cold for the, for the daughter. Loved it. Amazing. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. And, and it, I mean, there was not much effort that went into that, but, and it obviously the, the negative thing that she didn't want was, was actioned as well. So that's great. I, I, I was quite taken by your response on the, the, the tangible element of having something to flick through because yeah. sometimes we rush to having a digital solution, mm. nice and easy, put it online. Don't have to think about it, but actually, you know, if you're on holiday and you're waiting five minutes for the kids to get their shoes on before you go out, just having something to just browse and flick through is, mm. yeah, yeah. it just makes a difference. But if it's printed on nice paper, it's yeah. been put Absolutely. together with those nice kind of nuts, things you know where it's all attached together and i like something that looks nice feels nice mm. you open it and, and it's specific for where you are and in every way and you want to make it look um readable you want them, you want most of the most of most of them um like welcome books, like the, the ones, especially in the past, used to look same. You know, you just have a plastic folder with um, <laughs> with, with the plastic uh, sleeves inside. Research, and yeah. yeah, nobody wants to read that. It's quite no. boring. Mm. So to be different again these, these these days, and to make sure that people read it, it's like the book is there. And you're like, oh, what's that? Mm. Like my book, my welcome books in Seabreeze were like thirty five pounds each, and that was discounted. And I even had to write down. Um, I wrote down. I didn't want to risk anybody taking it because it's pretty pictures in there and all that that I actually wrote down that if that's disappear, you're paying 55 pounds basically because yeah. mm-hmm. I was like this book is so pretty um, but yeah 
that you just kind of want to assure that people actually do read it mm. because you got so much value in there because we're the locals mm. so you can recommend such amazing places mm. but if the people want to open the book and then they don't contact you they wouldn't know that you are you are actually not that you want to share that knowledge mm. with them is that an upsell opportunity <laughs> is that something that's happening you could buy a copy of this yeah, for pounds. yeah I'll make amazing books everybody yeah. welcome books contact yeah. Lincoln in charge <laughs> brilliant right guys so another question I got like so how um, how have property management system evolved in the past few years and how do they contribute to enhancing the efficiency and effective Effectively, mm. right I am Slovakian, by the way. Yeah, so it's coming through. Effectiveness of hospitality business in Torbay, right? So basically, the question is like, so property management. How have the property management system evolved in the last past few years? That's a really good question. Love this. Okay, so um, if I'm right in, in understanding that question, so basically, we have a property management system uh, called a Vivo. That's what we use, so a channel manager. Channel manager, yeah. Um, that basically uh, monitors all the diary, uh, doesn't allow double bookings. You can set up it's all your... It's a clever thing, isn't it? Oh, very clever. Not that cheap, though. But, but you need that being it. said, that being said it's, it's very good. And, and you know, it, it, it allows us to, to spend more time relating with the guest as opposed to worrying about... Am I going to get a double booking? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? Ah, you know, it's, you, you just, you know, it's, it's, you know, touch wood. It's seamless. Just not the one with microphone no, down. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so so we, we we've adopted that system and we're very pleased with it. Uh, and to be fair, there's probably a lot more that is available to us within that system that we don't use. Mm. Um, but being able to tap into you know, your occupancy rates and, and whatever and understand where you were year on year. Um, you know, it, it you know, it works a treat and that's 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 where we're coming from, I think. That's what we're using and it yeah. makes a, a massive difference. And I know that you use something similar. Absolutely, yeah. So Channel Manager, it's uh, for those who, who are listening and they don't really fully understand, it's exactly as you said, it's basically a program where you link all your um, OTAs like Airbnb, Booking.com, Direct Website, etc., and um, exactly, it's basically a uh, main thing is to avoid, as you said, avoid double bookings yeah. and things. It's so, so, so important to have this because you can easily be, so you're sleeping and you can receive a booking on an Airbnb at 2 a.m. It's lovely, and, isn't it, when you see that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. There's a kitchen. Do you want to do a little, do we have a kitchen? B, no, we, there's B, no, there's no kitchen. B, B, is it you, got, you go for it. So yeah, you gotta you can have a booking at two a.m. from Airbnb, and the same uh, and the same dates if you don't have a channel manager yet, and nobody blocks your calendar for those yeah, dates. You at four o'clock in the morning, somebody on Booking.com books for the same date. Correct. What you have, you wake up in the morning and you have two bookings. Now you have to cancel one or the other. Well, you're gonna get a mark, bad mark either way on on the OTAs for yeah. canceling the booking. You already have negativity. You already have a bad day. You start. It's just the mindset yeah. for with us as well. You're starting the day badly. You need to cancel. You need to disappoint the guests. Oh, it's just... Well, what, what we had the other day, which, which I was amazed at, because this hadn't happened, we, we um, uh, manage six lodges mm -hmm. up at Old Walls Vineyard in, in Bishop Stainton. And um, we had an over an overbooking came through on, on a Vivo. We were like, oh my God, are we going to get, you know, how are we going to do that? And the reason it allowed this booking, it sort of overlaid it over, over, a, over another booking. We we're like, God, what's happened? But when you move one booking up, 
it slotted back into place. So you didn't, it wasn't double booked. The right. system knew that the actual dates were available. It's just that you had to do a little bit of shifting about. And it was really clever. I love that bit. Yeah, yeah. nice. It was really good. So we didn't, you didn't miss out on a booking because the system understood sure. that actually that five day, they can do the five day. You just need to move that one to there. Amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Well, the other thing as well, just to add with the system, because you mentioned channel manager. So channel manager, the other thing it does is, let's say, automations. So you've got the automated messages as yeah. well. And that's also hugely important because if you don't, acknowledge your booking straight away and don't thank your guests for booking you leave it for a few hours some people they wouldn't even know if the booking came through yeah. so they can contact you they will be calling you it's like I, I just made a booking I have no confirmation of just automation of yeah, the messages absolutely. and you can make them bespoke as possible and all that it's just um, yeah so the systems to, to, to just to answer this question really I mean it really is the that we have such a we have access to to different softwares to use to be mm. which really can make the, the experience better for the guests as well as us mm. uh, the peace of mind profession makes it look more professional etc but also it might it might be well it is quite expensive but mm. it is a, another member of the team you know for bookings well when, when you actually bring new properties on it literally now because we've got all the system all the back office is set up it's literally a plug and play boom goes in done you know everything's set up for that you know obviously you've got to bespoke it to the actual mm. property you've just taken on but the actual channel manager itself once it's set up like we've got it like you've got yours new property comes on board you just literally plug it in and and you're away, and hey, you know, don't give away all our secrets. <laughs> very difficult. It's not that easy. And very if, you, yeah, if somebody will come to you to <laughs> onboard on property, you'll be like, it's not that easy to onboard property. <laughs> no, do you understand what I'm saying? It's Absolutely. literally boom, and it's and it's and it's, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Could not agree more, guys. So, in what ways can smart home automation system improve the guest experience and operational efficiency of local hospitality business in Torbay? I like this question. Before you before you go with your answers, I just want to say I love that because this is like a automation system of the home. It's like the other part of what we we're just saying, the automations of the sure. software part, isn't it? So now we're talking about the actual property. So it's a really interesting question. So what do you think automations in the homes and smart home systems? I, I, I do like them. I must admit in, in two of my HMOs, I've got um, the Nest system that I use. And um, that that is very beneficial, certainly during the winter months when, um, when the tenants that are having all bills included can you um, turn the heating down for them i can <laughs> so, Most so, important. so when, when when the when i know for a fact that it's january and all the windows are open but the heating is like set at 30 degrees i sort of go on and go no not today <laughs> um, so cheeky guests I, I, I promise you i don't go below 20 degrees i'm quite i'm quite good like that but no i mean i i love all the home home automation stuff i've got a little bit of my own personal house as well and um you know we haven't introduced it into our holiday lets yet have we no but we have looked at it and we especially those um tablets the wall mounted ones yeah. where you check in and there's a video and all that kind of stuff and everything's automated we've looked at those but uh i say we've been doing this for for 12 months or so so it's just like well let's just go with the human touch for now before yeah. we go all space age with it but i can see there's place for all of it mm. and there's an expectation of it for different uh guests as well and different types people as we've said about our demographic and tangible and all that they they like to speak to somebody 
And some people you don't hear from and other people, you know, 20 times before they go home, you know. So when you say you prefer the human touch over the idea of like a wall-mounted iPad, does that mean you stand in the lobby and wait <laughs> for the questions? <laughs> Sometimes if, no, 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 uh, no, we're here, we're on the phone and we've got a great relationship with people and we want to build a relationship with them, them. but it would be easier and you know, to have a wall-mounted iPad that did everything for everyone. But I don't think that that's where we are and where our guests are right now. Plus, I'll find as well with, um, if you introduce too much too soon, you'll end up spending so much time explaining guests how to use it as well. Mm. I found that as well. And I'm I'm pretty good with, you know, iPads technology and all that. And I was in the same ones where there was so much of the technology that all I just wanted is to turn the light on or turn the radio <laughs> on. And I was like, how? And you have to go through the welcome book. Fine. And I couldn't. And press this, press that. I had to call the guest, uh, yeah. the host. Yeah. And I actually said, I'm very impressed with your system. That it was, even for me, it was a little bit too much. So I think as well is um, introducing it at the right speed as well mm. for so so everybody can all just have the right alternative for if 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 um, if you have a guest who are fine with technology but you also have a guest who really just want to press the normal button on that lamp mm. or they don't need that special mm. yeah so it's it's i think it will be it will be definitely market for it and it will uh, it, it will be something we will eventually start introducing maybe like in the future because just the way that the world's going isn't it but it's not something yeah. Maybe I think there's a the, again market for everybody in every way, absolutely, and everything. So something for everyone, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, love that. Anything else to add? Nothing from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless Tony! It's just being Tony was so busy before the hospitality chat. <laughs> 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 now we forgot Tony sitting poor, here. Poor Tony's <laughs> in the corner there. He's eating all the biscuits. There is <laughs> another one just for the auto operation. Sorry, the automations uh, with, with the smart homes is that one thing was really popular. Uh, I mean, it's still popular. Is the uh, the the ring doorbells? Oh, yeah. As well. So people tend to use those as well because it's really that like, you can actually control, like you can see who is going into a property, which is really handy, especially for those where you've got two people book your apartment, but then suddenly you've got notifications and it's like 10 people coming in. You're like, whoa, 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 what's going on? So that's really handy as well. Mm. So technology can help a lot, mm -hmm. I'd say. Definitely. Are there any specific challenges or considerations that hospitality business owners in Torbay should be aware of when adopting and implementing technological advances like smart home automations in their properties? It's just the linking to the previous question. I think from my perspective, uh, what Sarah was just saying is, is recognize your client base, mm -hmm. which is the same in my world in, mm -hmm. in development. It's understanding what they're expecting. You can go in, as you said, your experience of something into a property that is really, really slick and really, really, you know, tech heavy. Mm. And if you're not tech savvy, it's just going to be frustrating and confusing. So it's, it's getting the balance right between, you know, between that personal touch being accessible, um, but also yeah, making sure it feels a little bit slick and a little, you know, everyone wants to feel like that. Mm. I had this great experience where I just told the lights what to do and they, yeah. they dimmed or went off. Especially if you don't have it at home. That's the yeah, whole yeah, point. Absolutely. A holiday should be experience, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah. But it's getting the balance right, mm. in my view. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good one, yeah. And how do you feel, guys, about AI, talking about automations and everything and a human touch? That's just like one of my, uh, like, I, I, because obviously AI is not coming anymore. It is here now. Uh, loads of people want to implement it into their businesses and hospitality owners now as well, implementing into their live chats and all that. I personally am not in any hurry, but just wondering what, how you feel about AI in your business. I think 
I think both myself and Sarah were quite impressed with the chat GPT or whatever it's called. Um, cause we redid all our descriptions, um, in around about 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and, and we have to update them on a regular basis for SEO and all that kind of stuff anyway. So it was really useful for that and it continues to be, but as I've said several times, the human touch, the yeah, accessibility, yeah, people to people. Well, uh, you know, and, and, and we're, we're in a people Tony. business, aren't we? We're, that's what we're in. Exactly. We're in a people business, not an AI business, not yeah. a, a robotic business. Yeah, we're in yeah, a people yeah. business. That's and, it. And we're selling something that's real. It's it's memories. It's people. Mm. It's a beautiful location. It's not. Uh, artificial in any way is very very real and very very beautiful Absolutely. and something you'll com- you'll keep upstairs for the rest of your days so why artificialize it in any way well just done. just one of the things i find quite funny is how ai has become self-referential because of course none of us are actually here this whole podcast has been generated by AI, <laughs> assuming characters. Yeah, we don't even so, read. And now we're criticising ourselves. Yeah, I wish you'd have said that. I wouldn't have done my makeup if I had that in the case. Imagine our AI bosses now looking at us going like, they're silly humans. Well, ho- hopefully, hopefully it'll make me slimmer. <laughs> no, it's already assumed. It knows what you've consumed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, guys. That was really... Re- yeah, great fun. Yeah, well great fun. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate the idea. All good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lenka, for running that last session about, yeah, about holiday lets. I didn't realize it was so in-depth and so involved. It's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me again. That was so much fun. It's so great to see you guys as well. Yeah, it's good. I know. It's really good. Thanks so much to Sarah, to Kim for bringing Tony along, to Lenka, to Nick, and to Tony. Should we have a big round of applause? Nick, hit the Well done, everybody. Listen, everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Bye. 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 B